Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this podcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is for customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 20 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance, also a Dave Ramsey SmartVestor Pro, and I've been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are exclusively up every week on Friday afternoons, and you can... Uh, of course, find us on moneymd.net or iTunes up every Friday. Yeah, and the podcast, Steve, or, uh, there's a link. There's a little button on the right-hand side of the uh, the website, moneymd.net, and it takes you to another website that has all of the podcasts. They're categorized by topics, so, you know, uh, people are downloading them, listening to them sometimes Saturday morning, sometimes, you know, if they're at the beach, they're listening to us all over the place. Exactly. Yeah, I got an email just this week. From yeah, somebody that's right. Out in Alabama listening to us, so welcome to the show. Yeah, and do check us out on our website, moneymd.net, where you can link to us um, uh, there, and you can ask us your questions directly, and we'll uh, play those on. If you have questions, we can, we'll can we cover those on mm-hmm. shows, or you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, I think we have a great show lineup for the day, as usual. Very interesting stuff here and timely stuff. You know, I mean, our country is going through a big transition here with the elections and everything going on. There's and, an election? Well, yeah, there is, if you <laughs> haven't noticed. Yeah. I've been trying to ignore it myself. <laughs> is it's that a local, local election? Kind of or local and of... national and the oh, whole thing, Oh, good gracious. can't get away thing. from it, can you? You can't. You can't, you know. But, I mean... So, you know, it's time for you to look at your finances and ascertain kind of where you are Mm -hmm. relative to the country. And so we're going to help you do that this morning. We have the stats of how you stack up against the nation in terms of of your own money and your own own statistics. Uh, It'll be very interesting because some of these statistics are eye-opening to look at how the average person. They are. And a lot of people come in and they don't know how they stack up. So I think a lot of people will be interested in that. And then we're going to follow that up with a uh, way to pay for college, some out-of-the-box thinking. A couple of them are are pretty straightforward, but there's some really good ideas in here. So if you have a college-age student or even if you have young kids or maybe you're a grandparent, um, you might want to get get your pad of paper and take some notes down here. We've got some good ideas. Yeah, these are terrific ideas. Um, great. So we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. So this comes from the survey survey of consumer finances and a positive financial fact today, Steve. Oh, good. Yeah, good. I think we the money that. doctors are actually having some influence out there in the in the markets. I, we must be. Yeah, we must be because you're right. This is a good this is good news. It is. So 44 percent of uh, U.S. households had a credit card balance that they carried over month to month back in 2007. And by 2013, that percentage had fallen to 34%. Yeah, so that's a big change. It is a good, it is a big change. And I, I do, I would probably credit Dave Ramsey for some of that. Honestly, I mean, he's obviously has a yep. little bit bigger uh, radio audience um, than we do. Um, <laughs> just tiny a little bit, bit. Tiny bit. Tiny bit. But, um, you know, the message he has and certainly the Clark Howards and the Susie Ormans about trying to get out of debt is exactly. is out there a lot. And we certainly talk about that as well. But that's a positive stat. It is. 10% is a big change. Um, 
I think that might be creeping back up since these statistics came out in 13, but maybe definitely though, that's, that's positive news. And so we got to keep that going. You know, people have to stay diligent to get out of credit card debt. Um, yeah, we have some shocking statistics from credit card debt, speaking of which. So that leads us right into our statistics mm-hmm. uh, side of things here. How do you stack up against the country nationally? I mean, you've probably heard reports about money uh, statistics in America. I mean, even if you don't know the numbers um, down the descent, you probably know this. I mean, it doesn't look good across the nation. Mm-hmm. And while we're all a little frustrated with what's going on in Washington, or maybe a lot frustrated with what's <laughs> going on in Washington these days, we might need to take a step back and look at some of our own personal spending habits. I mean, after all, little things do matter. And if we want to change our country, we have to start start with our own household. Yeah. And we have to get our own affairs in order. So here we are. Are you ready to see how you stack up against the average American? Buckle up. Here are a few of the most shocking money statistics in America today. And we have some tips on how to avoid these and how to improve this for your situation. The first one is consumer debt. So here's the problem. Instead of looking at the average consumer debt in one lump sum, let's break this down into categories. Um, Americans as a whole own about they owe about 1.2 trillion dollars mm. in in student loan debt wow that's big yeah number. that breaks down to like ten thousand dollars per household in america so that is huge and the average student loan balance is hovering at about twenty nine thousand dollars um so that that's a big number you know we gotta we gotta help our kids our next segment we got ways to address that one exactly so that's a big number 1.2 trillion dollars in student loan debt meanwhile the average car loans out there hit an all-time high of more than thirty thousand dollars wow for car loans yeah i mean that kicks the monthly payment down around five hundred dollars a month for people what could you do if you put that in a roth yeah, exactly. Big I numbers. mean, it's hard to imagine young people are doing this, just going out, buying a brand new car, and have a $500 a month payment forever. I mean, this is this is why we say buy used and pay cash for cars, mm-hmm. right? So that's a big problem, $30,000. So with the average American facing monster debt like debts like these, it's no wonder people rely on credit cards <clears throat> because they end up having to, mm-hmm. you know, with those kind of payments they're making. Which, by the way, the average credit card balance now is more than $15,000 for the average American. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's more than $1.4 billion, or $1.4 billion open credit card accounts in the United States alone. Wow. So it doesn't say what the average debt is of a household, but I bet you it's... 30000 maybe, because some okay. people have student loans, right. some people are going to have <clears throat> right. car payments. Car payments and student loans, yeah. consumer debts, what we would call it. Right. Yeah, it probably is around the $30,000 mark. It's a big number. It is doubt. a big number. And we see that with, with folks coming in here sometimes. And, um, you know, the solution is you, your head's probably spinning from all these numbers, but it's pretty simple. I mean, the first step, you have to create a zero-based budget. You will not get out of debt. Your your chances are way against you if you don't have a zero-based budget. And, you know, um, we can't be really too surprised that these debt figures are as high as they are, as they are because there's like 57% of households, Steve, that don't actually have a budget. I bet that's you it's higher crazy. than that. Yeah, that's... I bet you it's like 
eighty. The other forty three percent are not. You know, yeah, they're not being truthful. Yeah, they they think I mean, they have a budget, but they right. Really don't. They don't really have. They just have like a list of maybe where their expenses go, but yep. they don't follow it. Yeah, and if you don't decide where your money is going, it's going to decide for you. I mean, we see that if you don't put a name on every dollar, it's going to go somewhere else. So, first step, that solution for the consumer debt is to create a zero based budget and, and get on it. And so another problem or another area to look at is emergency fund savings. And so the problem is is that 50% of Americans have less than one month of income saved for a rainy day. And, um, you know, that may not sound too positive, but guess what? It, it's going to rain. I mean, you're going to have That's right. you're going to have an emergency at some point, you know, whether it's health-related or car or house-related. So if you don't have cash on hand when the heater goes out in the dead of winter, maybe you lose your job, you're going to fall back either on credit cards or you're going to go rob your retirement. That's, that's exactly that's right. That's only one of two two choices, and with nearly half of American households not saving any money, that's exactly what's happening. They're going to debt, and we saw that in the debt statistics. Yeah, we see that all the time. Mm-hmm. People come in, and if they don't have an emergency fund, um, you know they have credit card debt. Yep, right? That's right. It's one or the other. If they don't have some money saved, it's going to be credit card debt. So. And so the solution is, you know, and, and this is following the Dave Ramsey philosophy, the seven baby steps. First thing is you save $1,000 up as your beginner emergency fund. It's just a bare basics, right, just to, to handle the little things um, that come up. But second, you got to start paying off your consumer debt. You have to start, like we've talked about many times, mm-hmm. with the smallest debt first, work your way up, build some momentum, do the snowball effect right and then start applying those balances that you get them paid off to the bigger ones um we talked about that many times yeah i mean because debt is stealing your income it's preventing you from saving up a buffer to keep you between um between you and the curveballs of life that'll happen you know that that do come your way so once that's done and you get your debts paid off then you can start skyrocketing money, <clears throat> saving up money away, building up that emergency fund until you have three to six months of expenses, um, not income, but expenses, and, and a savings account. And yes, I mean, if you, you read that right, if you keep you keep it in a savings account, you don't want really to spend that. That's your emergency fund. You want to keep it liquid. I mean, it can be in a safe investment, but it has to be totally liquid. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to get that money out very quickly. You have to be able to access the money. Otherwise, you know, you're right back to the old credit cards. Um, research shows that 58% of Americans are saving for retirement, um, so that's good. You know, at least over half. Yeah, so from a retirement, retirement standpoint, <clears throat> right? But that means that 42% of people aren't saving for retirement. So this is back to the retirement savings mm-hmm. problem. This is a new problem we're talking about here. And even among those that are saving for retirement, <clears throat> the 58%, only 10%, John, <clears throat> are saving the 15% or more that we recommend for retirement, which so, are really getting them on track. So that's about 6% really in, in the total stats are saving 15%. That's right. That's right. So that's not, that's not good. That's not, you know, it's, it's a very low percentage. So, you know, that's a lot of numbers, but I mean, it boils down to this. Very few people are saving enough money today to live comfortably um, tomorrow in retirement. Um, so the solution is this. I mean, the best way to prepare for your portfolio for the golden years is to actively put away 15% of your income toward retirement. And that starts with your 401k. You know, if your employer matches part of your contribution, begin there. Make sure you get that match. And once you've invested enough to get the match, then go to the Roth IRA. Max out your Roth IRA. You can put up to $5,000 a year, $5,500 mm-hmm. a year. 
if you're under 50, if you're over 50, $6,500 a year in a Roth IRA. And you should be maxing that out, right? And then if you still have money left after that, circle back to your 401k, finish up your 15% there in your 401k. Um, and it can be a Roth 401k mm -hmm, if they mm -hmm. offer that. We're yeah. big fans of that, particularly for young people. And then in the meantime, you know, you can go to Dave Ramsey's website, um, well, chrishogan360.com, and that'll help you figure out where you stand with retirement savings, <clears throat> how to make the most of your the eighth wonder in the world, which mm -hmm. is compound interest. Yes, it is. We're, we're fond of that eighth wonder in the world here in the investment business. And um, so, yeah, that's the problem. That's the solution with retirement savings. It's only about 6% of people are saving 15%. So if you're saving 15%, you're in a very small, yes, small percentage of Americans. So uh, another um, issue that we see is mortgage debt. So the problem you know, is, is having too much mortgage debt. And it, it's kind of tough to calculate these numbers because there's so many factors, but it looks like the average American owes about 171000 on their home and the average monthly mortgage payment is more than 1000 So, you know, it's not too uncommon to, to owe money on the house, but that, you know, does that mean that you should settle in and carry a mortgage for the rest of your life? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, that's, that's one of the baby steps that you got to focus on when you get to the right level. But um, the average payment is a thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's big. That's a lot of money going out. But get this though, I mean, you know, as part of the solution, you want to own your own home, right? Eventually, mm -hmm. and more than twenty million Americans actually do own their own home. That's interesting. Um, that's pretty good, you know. But of course, that's a small percentage. It is a small percentage, you know, of households. Uh, but that means they don't own a, they don't owe a single dime on their house. That's right. They don't have to spend a big chunk of their paycheck and send it to the bank each month to keep the roof over their heads. Um, can you imagine how it would feel? And we can because our house is paid off, mm -hmm. right? So, um, but how would it feel? Think about this: if you have an extra thousand dollars or more each month that you can apply to, you know, other other things out there. Like um, golf trips. Yeah, I love it. Now you're talking my language. <laughs> golf trips, vacations. Now fund vacations, your, fund yeah. your Roth IRA first. There you fund go. Fund your That's Roth right. IRA. That's then right. you can start looking at these other things. But, yeah, once you're out of consumer debt, you can get aggressive about paying off the house. Um, imagine double and triple payments. I mean, think about it. I mean, multiply your monthly payments by 12 and ask yourself this question. What would my life look like if I could give myself – this much big of a raise. Wow, yeah. You know, that would be huge. It changes changes so, it. Exactly. I mean, let's face it. In America, debt is kind of considered normal today. But who wants to be normal? I mean, you don't want to be normal. That's the problem. These are normal statistics we're talking mm -hmm. about here. You want to be extraordinary and not be in these type statistics. Uh, you don't want to be average here. Um, so you can start combating these scary statistics with a single step of getting out of debt and sure, it may sound intimidating. Um, you may think even you can never climb out of the hole you're in, but that simply isn't true. I mean, you can make one choice today that will turn your life around, take you from average to incredible. And one of those is signing up for Dave Ramsey's Financial yeah. Peace University. Yeah, he has a great course. That's a great class. It'll really change the way you think about debt. Um, the folks I sit down with that have gone through that class you know, you can tell they have a different attitude about mm -hmm. debt. They definitely so do. I think that's a great first step to help you get out of debt and uh, get on track to being financially free. 
So, all right, good topic. That leads us up here to our question of the week. This question has to do with life insurance. It says, I have a $15,000 whole life insurance policy with a cash value of 18000 Should I cash it in? So well, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, if, you know, it depends on the situation again, it always does uh, without looking at the policy, but, but generally if you passed away the death value, if it's 15,000, you would lose $3,000 by not cashing it in and getting that cash value today. So it depends well, on the policy. Yeah. It depends on the policy. I think most policies will pay you, you know, the cash value and there's always a little bit of life insurance on top of the cash value. So if that's really the situation, <clears throat> Uh, that it has a cash value of 18, then a death benefit's probably on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's – so anyway, but um, the bottom line is you need to look at your individual situation. Um, you know, maybe it's – if it's one of those good policy, old policies that have a high interest rate in there yeah. and it's it's totally liquid, you might just consider yeah. it your emergency fund. Yeah, we, we've seen that before. Yeah. And, it you know, yeah. you can get something called a um, – uh, you can call, go to them and get a, 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 a enforce illustration. Yeah, enforce illustration kind of looks in the future a little bit. And um, if you need help looking at your policies, and we do that a lot, we have a lot sure. of people bringing their policies in. We can help you evaluate it and make the right decision. But it's a good question. You ought to yep. look at that situation really closely. Definitely, so that's definitely could be an opportunity. Okay, uh, next topic here: ways to think about paying college mm-hmm. i like this creative ways yeah we just just saw that the average student loan debt's about thirty thousand, roughly huge. Yeah, it, it really is that means some people are much higher than that some people are lower so you know education debt i mean as we just talked about has reached record levels i mean more than a trillion dollars uh in total debt for american and in the face of those numbers parents and students are looking for assorted ways to pay for college without incurring incurring big liabilities now you hear some of the political talk about free college yeah, I haven't quite figured out that math. It's um, it's no. that governmental math that doesn't yeah, add up. So that's right. Um, you know, in addition to grants, loans, um, merit-based aid, and your student holding down a job, there are ways to reduce college cost. Some of them are you know known, and some of them are you know not not really recognized out there. So we're going to talk about a couple of them. Um, so first, how expensive can college be? I mean, you can project the total cost of your college. There's some websites out there. Um, uh, savingforcollege.com is one of them. Alltuition.com is another. But count on five years. That's the, actually the average um, number of years of uh, college grads today. It's not four. It's five. Right. right. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, that's that's the new norm. Yes. I, I and I see that. And um, so you can do some estimating out there. Uh, you, you know, presumably, maybe you have a 529 or some other other college savings fund for your student that you've been funding, but if those funds aren't enough, where can you find the projected shortfall? And these shortfalls, Steve, are usually really, really big. They are. Yeah, it's, college is expensive nowadays. Me and you know that very, very well. Yes, we do. <clears throat> we do. We so, have kids in college. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, how about outright gifts, you know, of cash? That's that's a great thing. If you're Go find a rich uncle. <laughs> if you have a rich uncle, somebody that – that's willing to wants to help out, you know, grandma, grandpa. I mean, I don't know, you know, but I mean, that's that's a good place to start. I mean, if you or your relatives or friends have the money, you know, that's an option. I mean, you'll you could suffer gift tax consequences as a result if you gave big chunks, but um, you know, if the money is uh, uh, if it's a completed gift that's used directly to pay for tuition expenses. Um, at an educational institution, then that gift is not included as taxable income or gift tax 
for gift tax purposes. And it will not cut into your annual exclusion of $14,000 a year mm -hmm. for gifts to anybody um, or your lifetime unified credit for estate taxes, which is a huge number now, like yeah, 5.45 yeah. million. Right, right. Um, so it doesn't count for that. So if you just pay it directly to the institution, that's a great way to give a gift. And boy, will your grandchildren or whoever it is appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a huge, that would be a huge help. You know, one caveat, however, if you make any kind of tuition payment on behalf of your students, that will be characterized as untaxed income on the FAFSA uh, student aid application. And that could wipe out your students' chances of getting any needs-based financial aid. And that's why some families, they elect to put off tuition gifts until maybe the senior year or maybe just simply pay off the student loans, mm -hmm. help them pay off the student loans at the once end. at the end. I've seen that done. And that's, that's probably a better solution to make sure they still maximize their mm -hmm. student aid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so gifts, that's a great a great idea. Obviously, you know, a lot of people are not going to have that um, available, but if, if you do, that's something to look at. 529 plans are, are a, a good option to fund as well. And so another, you know, thought here is can you reduce your taxable income to get more student uh, financial aid? And you may be able to do so. I mean, if getting f uh, federal student aid is your objective, you got to knock down your taxable income, and that may make a big difference. So on the, uh, the FAFSA, which is the free application for student you know, federal student aid, um, you know, net worth, um, retirement balances, and those those type of uh, accounts doesn't matter. It, it really is income. It's the expected family contribution, also known as the EFC, which is a combination of funds that the parents and the students can make available for that year. So the gap between the EFC and the total cost is really the level that they look at, you know, to, to be able to fund. So the lower right. your your, you know, your EFC or the contribution your family can make, the greater level of financial need um, may be. But you know, this is why, you know, a lot of parents and students elect to spend down their combined savings and assets um, set aside for college during the freshman year. And so you have no assets left for the sophomore year. Um, the eligibility for federal student aid is wide open at that point. But, you know, again, we're talking about debt here. You know, so that's we're right. talking about long-term debt. Yeah, you really if you're going to do that, you really want to make sure you spend down the students' assets because mm -hmm. they count a lot more heavily than the parents' assets. Um, I think it's something like a, a third of the student assets count each year as being totally available toward toward uh, uh, college expenses, whereas the parents, it's it's a small fraction. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you want to spend down the student's assets and maybe, like you said, pay off debt. Um, you know, think of there's lots of ways to spend that down very quickly. You know, maybe pay off a car loan, um, you know, whatever, but, but spend that down really quickly. Yep. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it doesn't count. Yeah, that's a good one. Another one here is tax scholarships. I mean, you know, no, these are not scholarships linked to a state tax credit. Um, but these are de facto scholarships that you may be able to create for your student with the help of the CPA. Um, you know, if you can find or arrange new tax deductions this year, you may be able to de uh, redirect some of that money towards the college expenses. So again, I would I would talk to the CPA on that that piece of it. But it's called a tax scholarship. Another one here on the list, Steve, is untraditional scholarships. There's a website out there. It's called CollegeNet.com. They currently offer a weekly scholarship running between $3,000 and $10,000 um, scholarships, and collegians themselves decide which applicant deserves the funds. And there's other examples, but you know, some scholarship money is a way to alleviate some of the burden. 
Yeah, you definitely want to check all the scholarship resources you have. I mean, there are a lot of unconventional scholarships out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're running one, in fact, for the, you know, Augusta Community Foundation here. And so, I mean, there are lots of lots of kind of strange ones out there that you can qualify for, and you just have to apply for them. So you got to really ferret those out. Um, you know, another one here, though, is can you negotiate tuition? I mean, at first instinct, that, that doesn't seem possible. It may even seem rude, you know, <laughs> trying to negotiate with a college but it may be a smart move, and it is done occasionally. I mean, there are such things as tuition discounts and grant programs offered to those who negotiate, um, even those not eligible for needs-based financial aid. You know, if a university really wants you as a student, um, you may have some leverage. I mean, I see particularly small colleges mm -hmm. do this a lot. You know, if you look at the small private colleges in the U.S., um, they will match the tuition. I don't care what their published tuition rate is. If you're if you're a good kid and you got good grades, mm -hmm. I've seen this time and again. They will match whatever the public university is giving you. Yeah, you right. Know, they whatever they're giving you, they'll discount. To... They'll knock their tuition down to equal that, <laughs> so that cost is not an issue whether you choose to go to there or not. Right. And then they'll even beat it sometimes. So. You know, you want to you want to be aggressive about that and talk to them. Make sure you have some competitiveness going on. You're you're, and you're you're applying for more than one place. Yeah, if no you only doubt. apply to one place. Yeah, you don't have a lot of leverage. You don't have any leverage. But if you're if you can say, hey, you know, you know, South Carolina's giving me this, and you know, this is what it's going to cost me. You know, or or even USC Aiken or someplace local, um, you got some leverage. Mm -hmm. So apply to more than one place. Yeah, definitely. You know, so are you willing to go to a junior college or the online route? That's another option. You know, going to a local junior college or, or just a local college for the first couple of years of study, you know, for a bachelor's degree, that can save a family uh, and the student huge. It can save you on housing, travel, the auto expenses, um, and probably a lot of anxiety. You know, if the student decides he or she wants a major, um, you know, it's, oceanography instead of marketing i mean you haven't paid twenty thousand dollars a year to arrive at the conclusion so <laughs> that's right yeah i mean so you know it gives you a little time to figure out it what does. you really want to do before you go to the big school and you know pay all the money to dedicate yourself yep. into a major and we have a uh, usc aiken is year year after year at one of the top schools in the that's in the nation school uh, Aiken Tech's a great, uh, you know, opportunity. Augusta University, State, yeah. University, yeah. Yeah, so we have some great options here. I, I really like that one. For people that come in that are really struggling with the college piece of it, go local. And it gives you time to transition, too. It does. You know, to transition from high school to college. It's a big transition, and sometimes being thrown at, you know, a hard school like Clemson or Georgia mm -hmm. or something, mm -hmm. that's a, that's, that's, it's just a recipe for struggling. Yeah, and, and coming out with a whole bunch of debt. Exactly. Too. So, you know, recognizing the cost of housing, commuting, and parking permits. You know, a lot of colleges, Steve, are starting to offer their curriculum online and, and in more accessible settings. For example, Virginia Tech offers introductory math courses through computer labs and the University of Minnesota uh, they have a new uh, Rochester campus that uses a local shopping mall to hold classes. So while taking classes on a computer or at some obscure, you know, satellite campus may not give you the full university experience, it may help you to reduce expenses. So, you know, it's one of the things you need to, to think about and talk about. I do see a lot of parents that feel guilty because they can't pay for 
a four four year education at a Carolina, Clemson, or Georgia, there are ways that you can graduate with a good degree without student loan debt. There's nothing wrong with on- online education. You know, I can assure you, when you go to Clemson, Carolina, Georgia, wherever you go, big university. You know, about half your classes are going to be online. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I mean, they're moving that direction, oh, no doubt. No you know, doubt. and they charge you the same amount for it. They do. You know, I was kind of incensed by that. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I you were mean, going to get a break, huh? Yeah, I mean, my kids, you know, they, they're like telling me, oh, yeah, they, they're like three of my classes are online. I'm yeah. like, what? You yeah. know, and they're still charging the same amount. So that's going to happen anyway. So you might as well, you know, do it local and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, save a bunch of money at the beginning. So... Great topic. All right, and that leads up to our final topic here, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this um, I had a, uh, a meeting with a, a client recently, and it was a pretty good idea. Um, they have five kids, and uh, pretty expensive, um, you know, buying all five kids gifts and so forth. And you know how it is. I mean, you think about what did you get for Christmas eight years ago, Steve? Do you remember? Yeah, no, I Pro- probably don't. I don't either. Anything. So, um, so here's a prescription. Instead of buying gifts for Christmas, think about making memories. Maybe take a trip. It doesn't have to be an expensive trip, but go go up to the mountains or the beach or something, or some sentimental item. Make something that people will remember. So that's a that's a good prescription. Just can save you some money and maybe create long term memories. And I like that one because I always remember vacations. Yes, you do. <laughs> always do. I bet you do. I bet you do. <laughs> but I don't always remember gifts. So yeah, yeah. I mean, take a vacation. I've seen that. I know families that do that, and we've tried that before. The hard thing is trying to schedule it. Mm-hmm. You know, with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to go out of town for, you know, four or five days or a week. But it is a great way to create some more memories and do something that's really appreciated. Yeah, very unique too. By the family. So, uh, yeah, consider that one this Christmas. That's a great idea. All right, and that leads up to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday um, or next week for more uh, prescriptions for your financial health. And do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions uh, at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Have a good one.